Good morning, good morning. Can y'all hear me? Am I mic'd up? Mic check, mic check. Yeah, there we go, there we go. Good morning. It's great to be here in Lawrence to worship with the Lawrence Free State Church. Amen, amen. Man, service is rocking this morning. I'm so encouraged to be here uh, today. And, you know, it's a beautiful day outside. And I'm reminded the last time I was here, actually I came up, uh, what is it, a couple months ago now and spent some time with some of the campus brothers playing basketball. And yeah, amen for basketball. But I hurt my back. So so I was down for the count for about two months. Actually, I still, still haven't played yet. So I'm more excited about being here today actually able to walk around and so uh, Kim and I have so many different relationships I'm looking around and I'm seeing all the different faces people we go back to team ministry with campus days with I'm like man this is so so encouraged and so you guys got a great group here rocking band so hopefully you feel excited and encouraged about where God has the church here and what God is doing amen you know, uh, uh, he mentioned that Kim and I just moved up from uh, Wichita to Kansas City. And we're really excited about our role there doing youth and family. And he mentioned the, um, the uh, devotional on February 1st. We're really excited about that. And uh, we had our first kind of a mini kickoff last month. And he mentioned this is going to be all the way from through Kingdom Kids, middle school and high school. And our goal is bringing all of these ministries together. And we really want Lawrence. Uh, to be a part of that. It's not just the Kansas City devotional. This is youth and family devotional included, including the uh, Lawrence Church. Amen. And so we're having conversations and uh, about how we can meet all of our needs. And so whether you're a Kingdom Kid parent, a toddler parent, we all need help. We all need one another. And we want to make sure that we build this ministry uh, together. Amen. It was mentioned that I am a uh, K-State grad. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I, so the question is, you know, with uh, you guys just hired a new football coach, right? Um, Les Miles. Uh, are, are you guys fired up about Les? Is he, is he going to turn the tide for the football program? Is it, it, maybe, maybe not. I'm not hearing too much passion for, uh, for the, uh, too much excitement, enthusiasm. So the question is, though, Will the football program get to where the basketball program is? Is that is that is that is it possible? Maybe. Maybe not. No. So 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 I've always wondered who's more passionate, KU basketball fans or K-State football fans? I guess I'm here, so we got to say basketball, right, KU basketball fans? Um, two years ago, I was uh, having a uh, conversation, hanging out with one of the fellas, having bra- uh, breakfast, and a uh, little B&G, biscuits and gravy. And uh, we were having a good time, and I uh, looked down at my phone, uh, uh, and I saw that Kim was calling. And uh, I had just been discipled on uh, making sure that I answer the phone when my wife calls, and so I... <laughs> So I made sure that I picked up the phone. And so, you know, and I'm historically known for turning a uh, breakfast into a brunch. And so I go long. And so, uh, so I'm assuming that she's calling me to tell me, hey, where you at? Let's get home. And so, uh, so I pick up the phone and um, 
she's there, she's kind of crying. I'm like, uh-oh, what's going on? And, and I'm like, I'm asking her, oh, what's going on, babe? She's like, she wouldn't tell me. She's, you need to just get home. There's some state troopers at our door, and um, you need to hurry up. And so I'm like, uh-oh, what's... So, you know, it, your mind goes a lot of different places, right? And, um, but for some reason, I kind of knew what was going on. And so I rush home, and as soon as I got there, the state troopers are there. They sit me down, and they tell me my brother had just gotten into a car accident and passed away. You know, it's at that moment, life just kind of zeroed in. You know, and, 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 and priorities, it's something about tragedy and challenges and death, those different things, they kind of zero things in for you. And they make priorities become clear. You know, the irritations kind of level out. Things that kind of annoyed you or bugged you don't really matter all of a sudden. Money just kind of becomes a, a, a resource. It's put in its proper place. But the things that matter in life are magnified. You know, things like family. Things like our faith. You kind of get this sort of eternal perspective at that point. And the things that matter are, are made bigger for us. You know, it's so easy in life to become comfortable, right? They can be complacent. And they kind of complain about the small things in life. But I want you to imagine for a second a living life where all of the important things are magnified for us. Where all the things that, that really, really matter are the things that I pay attention to. And the things that bug me, they kind of fizzle away. You know, you think about driving down the street and someone cuts you off. Doesn't that annoy you? But just imagine that that just doesn't bother you anymore. Or you watching the, the Chiefs or KU play and, oh man, you know, instead of yelling at the refs, you get, instead of getting frustrated, you kind of, ah, no, it's just a game. Imagine a life where the things that really matter matter the most. Deep down, that's what we all want, right? To see life through the eyes of Jesus. You know, this morning we're going to talk about passion for Jesus. When you have a passion for Jesus, the things that matter in life are magnified. When we have passion for Jesus, it keeps us focused on things eternal. But what is passion? You know, Webster defines passion as an intense desire or enthusiasm or something. You look at uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul was a great example of Jesus mattering. And he had an incredible passion for Jesus. So we're going to look at uh, Paul as an example this morning of what it looks like to be passionate about Jesus. The goal of our time is to inspire us to be passionate about Jesus beyond anything else. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we are uh, so grateful to be in your presence together this morning. God, long ago you knew that we would be sitting right here, that we would have the opportunity to uh, discover and grab a hold of the things that are most important in our lives. 
The God that we get a chance to hang on to your words, God, and cling to your purposes and your plans for our lives. Father, I pray that you remove all the distractions and you allow us to hone in to what's most important. And that's you. Father, we love you so much. It's in your son Jesus name. Amen. Amen. We're going to uh, look at Second uh, Corinthians 5, but before we do that, we want to talk about who is this guy Paul, the Apostle Paul. Paul was actually born Saul, and he was uh, a man trained in the uh, Jewish faith. In fact, you can call him uh, religious. He was a, a Pharisee, uh, part of that religious group. And though he was trained in religion, he didn't actually believe in Jesus. In fact, he went around killing followers of Jesus. He was a great persecutor of the church. Just goes to show you that God wants more from us than just religion, than just going to church, than just training and intellectual knowledge of the scripture. There has to be a application. You know, I grew up with uh, uh, three brothers and, and, and a sister and a family. Uh, my mom always took us to church. Um, in fact, you call me a drug baby. She drug us to church. I mean, whether we want, whether we wanted to go or not, you know, my mama, uh, you know, I'm feeling kind of sick. <coughs> no, you going to church. Jesus will heal you at church. My, my, my legs broke, ma. No, God will heal you. No, you, you just get on out of bed. You're going to church now. But we went to church every single Sunday, and yet it didn't show in my life. In fact, a lot of us as uh, little kids, we would uh, cut out of church and go down to the uh, corner store and steal, you know, or, or mess around with girls and those different things in church. And so I was what you would call a hypocrite. Similar to Saul, I needed my heart to be changed. And you see that in uh, Acts chapter 9, where Saul goes to this conversion. Though he, he had religion, he, had, he was an uh, 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 expert in the uh, Hebrew Bible, and yet... When Jesus, when he encountered Jesus there on the road to Damascus, we see an amazing transformation in his life. We see a man who goes from passionate about persecuting to a passion for Jesus and changing the lives ultimately of the church. So now we see a broken and a passionate follower of Jesus, a man who Christ has inspired Many through many generations through his teachings and his writing. Paul wrote uh, uh, more than half of the New Testament, inspired more than half of the New Testament. He's responsible for 13 books of the New Testament. He was uh, imprisoned for his faith. He planted churches, taught and trained men of faith because he was inspired by Jesus. Let's see this impact that he had. Let's go ahead and uh, read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll pick up in uh, verse 13. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter 5. This is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. It says here, verse 13, If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all die. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
So now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What passionate words Paul uh, spits out here. Amazing faith as he is trying to really urge and persuade us to understand who Jesus really is. Let's look at a few observations here. First, he says that he is compelled by Christ. In verse 14, he's compelled by Christ. What does that mean? That means he's fueled by God, by Christ and Christ alone. His motivation comes solely from Christ, not just the blessings of Christ. So often we can get uh, distracted by or be fueled more by the blessings of Christ than we are Christ alone. We're all we're excited about the salvation. We're excited about even the family. Things that are great, things are good, but these are benefits of Christ, not necessarily Christ himself. Paul understood that. He desired and knew that being with Christ was more important than anything. You know, I think back to um, a little over 10, 12 years ago, and even growing up, one of the things, after I became a disciple, one of the things I wanted to do was be in the ministry. And I always wanted to do that. And I thought about that and I dreamed about that. And so uh, shortly after Kim and I were married, I had the opportunity to, to be in the ministry. And you think, man, that's a, a dream come true. You must have been fired up. And I was. But the thing that I realized was my desire to be in the ministry was really fueled by a desire to be successful. And in my mind, God was pleased with me if I was in the ministry. I felt like a failure. I felt like, man, I, I just wasn't good enough. And even, it wasn't until after being in the ministry that I realized, man, still something's missing here. I'm helping, I'm, I'm serving the church, I'm serving God. Here I am doing what, what I, my, my dream job, right? And, and yet, it felt kind of empty because my motivation off. I realized that, man, I wanted the blessing of God more than I wanted God himself. What about you? Is Christ enough? Is Christ enough? When you wake up in the morning, do you just dream and envision and excited to spend time with to soak up and to search out the scriptures so that, man, you understand him and where he's at and what he wants and what he desires for you. How we out, his outlook on the world. Is that what you're seeking after, to understand him and go after him with great, great passion? You see, Jesus is the destination. When you talk about heaven, we, we talk about heaven being kind of this place and gold streets of gold and we think about what it might look like I believe the Bible describes heaven as being in the presence of God now we get an opportunity to experience heaven every day to be in the presence 
of Jesus. When life is awesome, Jesus is your deepest desire. When things are challenging and there's a lot of struggle that you're wrestling and going through, Jesus is still your greatest desire. Does that describe you this morning? I believe that that's the heart that Paul talks about when he talks about being compelled by Christ. Then he goes on and he says, uh, Jesus consumes me. Verse 13 through 19, he kind of describes this, this all-consuming thought that, man, Jesus is all, is, he's everything. You know, he's, he's, he's consumed, Paul is consumed with knowing God and making God known. He's consumed with knowing the heart of God. And we see the heart of God through Jesus. If you look at these passages, Paul had a great understanding of who Jesus was because he had a great understanding of Jesus' heart. And Jesus' heart point at who God is. If you look at it, he calls, uh, he calls us new creation. He understood that God is a forgiver. That God doesn't just look at you and see a work in progress. No, he looks at you and sees a, a new creation. Paul understood God's heart. The old is gone, it says. God is a, a gracious God. He is gracious. He's going to forgive your past. He's not just going to look at you as a new creation. He's actually going to, he's not even remembering and even the, the, the old you isn't even concerned with that. That's our God that we serve. It says that he committed to us the message of reconciliation. That is a trusting God. Hold on. Do you know who I am? You're going to commit to me the message of reconciliation? You're going to put that in our hands? What an incredibly trusting God we have. That he's not looking for perfection out of us. He's looking for commitment. And in that he's saying, I trust you. It says, not counting men's sins against them. We serve a God who's compassionate. God is excited about you. You are his heart's desire. His purposes and his plans all revolve around us coming to know him. Long ago, he was thinking about, man, how do I reconcile Jojo? Joey uh, Nagel. That's, that's what Jojo. That's what we call him back in the day, Jojo. Tell him something, Jojo. <laughs> God is excited about that. Long ago, he was thinking about you. He knew that you would be right here right now. And he's at work right now. Even as we speak, hmm, what can I do to draw my creation to me? And he has all authority to do this. All authority. Paul had a great understanding of God's character. Passion for Jesus seeks to know God's heart. Passion for Jesus seeks to know God's heart. Are you seeking to know God's heart today? I believe deep down we want to know God's heart, but we got to put in the work. We got to seek after understanding his heart. Being a disciple is more than just the intellectual knowing, knowing who God is. It's seeking to know his heart so that his heart can become my heart, so that I can imitate his heart. Amen? What else stands out here? 
Another observation from this passage. Paul is contagious. See, passion for Jesus is contagious. It can't help but to affect the people around you. We see an investment in Paul's heart and in his life here. He's in prison and yet he has people coming and writing these letters for him, sticking their necks out, taking these letters and, and, and delivering them to different churches around the area. Why? Because they believe in Jesus. Because of Paul's passion for Jesus affected their hearts. Does your passion for Jesus affect the people around you? We see an urgency and a priority based on Jesus. You know, I think about a couple that started coming out the church. Uh, it's been a couple years ago, or so now, and um, you know, we got a chance to meet them, and and you know, they were a black couple. So you know, uh, of course, black couples come out the church. They want to introduce them to the black disciples. Not sure. It's a little bit of truth to that. I'm like, hey, man, you know, white people can study the Bible with black people, too. Hey, man, I, I'm sorry. Get off my soapbox. But um, <clears throat> so we had this couple that we, we got a chance. That they were a young couple. They were uh, actually in their early 20s and had two kids at the time. And uh, uh, in fact, they had their first child uh, the day after she graduated high school. And so they were visiting church and they were living together. And, and we, as we sat down with them, we actually sat down with them as a couple. And, you know, we're studying the Bible and they were starting to soak it up. And they're like, man, we want to get baptized. And he's like, amen, God has changed their hearts. And, and um, um, they came to a point where we decided, you know what? We're great and we're excited about that. And yet you two are still living together. And so I don't feel we don't feel comfortable baptizing you while you're still living together. And um, so you can come live with us and, and, you know, and we offer for that to happen and, and you can still continue to, uh, uh, until, you know, you're ready to make Jesus Lord. And But there just needs to be a level of repentance there and we're not comfortable with that. Doesn't mean that you can't and someone else, I just don't feel comfortable with that. And so they decided that day, hey, why don't we go ahead and get married? Make this right. We want to get married anyways. And they were looking at this wedding way down the line. And so, you know what, let's go ahead and get right, get married, and then we'll get baptized. So it was so cool, this couple, young couple, in their early 20s, we studied the Bible with them. We, we actually had a marriage ceremony in our living room, and then they went over to the building and got baptized. That same day. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Married and then married, you know what I'm saying? Passion for Jesus affects others. They saw that, you know what? We need Jesus in our life. And we got to surrender to his will. Does your passion for Jesus affect your classmates? When your co-workers look at you, do they see a little Jesus? Does your attitude reflect that of Jesus this morning? That's what God would want. Amen. And the last observation that I point out in here is passion is lived as family. You know, I appreciate the communion and our time this morning being to come together because it focused us on the fact that God desires family. 
And you look at this passage, he says, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Who is this us? You know, over 25 times and just between verse 13 and 21, he uses we and us statements. When you're talking about this passion that's lived out, it's not lived out individually. It's lived out as a family. Paul here is communicating to a group of people, to the family of Christ. Hey, you are the family of Christ. You have been given the message of, rec- uh, of reconciliation. Passion for Jesus is lived as a family. When we talk about being consumed and Christ being enough, Christ as a family, we're consumed by Christ. When you talk about being compelled to know God as a family, do we know God? As a family, we are contagious. We influence the people around us as a family. Yes, you individually matter, but you matter in context of the family. Amen. As a family, we are committed to love, to sacrifice and to investing in one another. You know, I think about um, the Lovelaces, the Matthews, the Hicks. Tony Ibarra, Sammy, Ryan, Mike, Washington's, Dre, Mark, Clint. These are just a few of the relationships of people in my life as a team. Just a few. A few of the people that influenced my faith, that helped me to be who I am today because of their investment in my life years ago. You know, I spent more time with disciples than I did with my physical family. In the team ministry. You know, let's look at a passage in uh, Luke chapter 14. I want to close out with this thought because I believe it's uh, super important for us to understand and have a deep, deep conviction about. Luke 14 and verse 26. I remember studying out this passage before I became a disciple and as a disciple. And, and, um, and I've taught this passage quite a bit, actually. It says, large crowds, verse 25, actually, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife, children, Brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. You know, I've uh, taught this passage and was taught that, you know, this, this, this passage means that, hey, we got to love God. And then, then actually the, the word hate here means to love less. And um, so we have to love these relationships less than we love God. And so that's what I was taught. And I actually taught that to a lot of people. But I've come to a new understanding, and I wanted to uh, share that with you today. Amen? And so um, when he talks about hating your father and mother, wife and children, you think about these relationships, and yes, they are the closest relationships in our lives. And um, you, you look at those relationships, and those are the relationships that we identify with. We get our, 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 our who we are come from those people, our family, right? And um, that word hate there is similar to actually the same word that's used in uh, Malachi from the Old Testament where 
God hates Esau. And um, but but the question is why? Well, Esau, if you remember Esau, he uh, was the uh, firstborn of Isaac or the older child of Isaac. And he was supposed to inherit and, and God was supposed to work through him as the chosen child and establish his family. But what did he do? Esau sold his birthright to Jacob and Jacob became the heir. And, and uh, we know that the, the Jacob became Israel, the family and the people of God. So this word hate has to do with identity. So you fast forward here to Luke. What he's saying is, if anyone comes to me, your identity must not be with your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters. Your allegiance is mine. Your family is now the family of Christ. Your allegiance is to me. Who we are in our allegiance to the family of God says a lot about our passion to Jesus. But why is this important? Why is it important that the family of God is first and foremost? Because God is reconciling his people, not through individuals, but through a family. So often we think about evangelism. We go out, oh, I need to share my faith. And that's true. We need to make decisions to share our faith and to share our story. But ultimately, what's being shared is Christ's story. And he's working through his people to reconcile each and every person. That's his desire. That was always his intent was to work through the family of God. If you go back, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12 and Colossians 1, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body of Christ. Who's the body of Christ? We are, right? And Christ is the head. So God sent Christ to reveal himself. To reveal himself to the world. God sent Christ to heal, to ultimately point towards who God is so that we can know God. Well, we're Christ. We are the body of Christ. That's why it's so important for us to function, to love as family. We're not like family. Sometimes I think we look at that as more of an illustration. We're like a family. We kind of take on some of the characteristics of a family. No. God's heart is that we are family. The person sitting next to you is family. That's your brother and sister in Christ. If you're visiting with us this morning, there's an invitation out to you to join the family of God. See, we, we believe that God is inclusive in that he wants all to come to know him. And you're invited to be a part of the family of God. You know, so much of who I am has been uh, influenced and shaped by the family of God. We can be passionate about a lot of things in life. We can be passionate about basketball, about sports. We can be passionate about politics and all these different things. But our passion for Jesus is eternal. Let's be passionate about Jesus this morning. Amen. Let's be consumed like Paul with the things of Christ. This week, 
we can demonstrate what really matters by the choices we make. What decision can you make this week that will demonstrate your passion for Jesus? Maybe it's a commitment to seek the scripture like you never have before. That you're looking into the Bible to know God, not just to check a box and say, man, I've done that or to feel good about it, but to really know the character of Christ. And when you look at the passage in that form or fashion, I think it opens it up. It makes it come real. It come to life. Maybe that's what God has called you to this morning. Maybe you need to turn your life over to him. You've been thinking about it. You've been studying out the word. But that next step is to simply surrender. Say, hey, I can't do this on my own. I need Christ. Maybe it's to share your faith story with someone or have someone into your home. to Share what God has done for you to open your mouth, to get overcome that fear, understanding that, man, God is bigger than any person. And he needs or she needs to hear who God is. Maybe it's to initiate forgiveness. There's someone that you need to forgive and you need to initiate that. But they did that to me. No, you initiate. But I already tried. Initiate. Maybe it's investment in the body of Christ. Someone has maybe asked you to serve as a mentor or to serve in kingdom or to use your gifts and talents and abilities really benefit God's family. Whatever it is, consider making a decision this week that would demonstrate your passion for Jesus. The story goes, a young man asked Socrates, an ancient Greek philosopher, the secret of success. Socrates told the young man to meet him near the river the next morning. They met Socrates asked the young man to walk with him toward the river. When in the water, it got up to their neck. Socrates took the young man by surprise and ducked him under the water. The man struggled to get out, but Socrates was strong and kept him under the water until he started turning blue. The young man struggled hard and and, and finally managed to get up. The first thing he did was gasp for, for a deep breath. Socrates asked, what did you want most when you were under the water? The man replied, air. Socrates said, that's the most important thing to your success. When you want success badly enough that you like you want air, you will get it. When we want Jesus badly enough like we want air, when we need Jesus like we need oxygen to survive, when we're fueled by Jesus, like oxygen running through our veins, that's when God will move in powerful ways. Let's pray. Father God, we are humbled to be your creation. Father, our deepest desire is simply to know you. So often, God, we look to know you and look for fulfillment in so many other things, and yet, God, we know that you and you alone can sustain us. God, our prayer this morning collectively as your family 
is a passion for your son, Jesus. God, to look to know him and to make him known. God, to understand your character. Because we seek it out and search it out in your scripture. Father, we thank you so much for the example of Paul, our brother in the faith. And our prayer this morning that we can imitate him as we imitate you. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you.